Oh my god. <laughs> Recorded live. Well, hello everybody, and uh just so that you know, we'll go over it again. That is not me on talk shoe saying recorded live. I swear <laughs> they, must have, they must have picked me up in my sleep or something like that. But welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society dot com website. And this is the January twenty third edition of, of two thousand fifteen. And uh, our, our special guest tonight actually just found out he spent some time living in Chicago, although he was a North Sider and I'm a South Sider. But this is D. Uh, D. Rankin um, Bodie, and he yes, is, it is. Yeah, and he has he, he has so many, so many things behind him that uh, we, we, the two hour show probably is not going to be enough. But uh, welcome to the show, sir. And and by, and by the way, where are you coming to us from tonight? I am calling from Florida. Nice. What part? Day, Florida. I am calling from actually Lakeland right now. I'll be on my way to Tampa in about tomorrow. But uh right now, Lakeland. Okay. And 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 go ahead, make me feel bad. What's the weather like? Um, well, I am presently right now in a, an office wearing uh, wearing nothing but the warmest material, uh, or should I say the coolest material. I'm wearing flip-flops, uh, a nice little uh, multicolored uh, uh, shirt, and my all my jewelry, and it's nice. <laughs> it's uh, hella well, nice. Okay. <laughs> Not a snowflake yeah. in sight, baby. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I used to complain, but you know what? I, I'm the person who chose to live in Chicago. So I'm going to try not. Yeah, I'm going to try not to complain. And you know what? We're experiencing a heat wave. It's like 31 degrees. So again, <laughs> I uh, earlier today I tried going and uh, you know just laying out and read a book on the beach. You know, just because it wasn't mm. below zero. But I yes. swear to God, on the north side, this skinny little guy came up and tried to roll my ass in the water, screaming, "Save him! Save him!" And he just ruined my <laughs> afternoon. So you ain't a whale, who, baby. You ain't a whale. Come on, stop that. <laughs> thanks. But thanks for being on the show. And um, thank you, sir. Uh, seriously, you know, we we hooked up. Uh, wow, early last year. Yes, and, we did, uh, sir. You, you you expressed a, a desire to be here, and and with all of the accolades that you have behind you, um, this is just. I think this is a natural fit. So, um, but first of all, you you mentioned that you lived in Chicago when you were younger. Is that where you grew up? No, I did not. I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, Rocky Mountain High, baby. Uh, Uh I grew up there, born in the 60s, grew up there in the 70s, finished my education uh, through high school, um, went on to uh, college, Metro State College, and then went on to the University of Northern Colorado to further expand what I was trying to do at that time. And and early on, I mean, let me and let me ask this. Um, early on, did did you have, um, you know, did you have inklings of of the creative side of you, or did that, or oh. or did many of much of that manifest itself later? Oh no no no, most uh, definitely, I had that very early on. Um, my mother was a model, uh, popular back back uh, back in the day. Um, my grandmother, uh, I was basically raised by wonderful, powerful women who basically taught me how to expand my imagination. So I didn't grow up in the hood. I basically grew up in mountain country. So my my weekends were spent hanging out in museums 
and art exhibits, uh, my grandmother learning about the mountains and, and the country and how to live off the land and so on and so forth. So um, imagination came with ease. I didn't have, I mean, it was, it was hard, you know, being, being black with this type of mentality and type of imagination as a creative, but still, you know, I needed um, confirmation of where I was moving and the things that I was thinking of and the things I was, you know, dreaming of, the music, the tunes in my head and everything that was going on. And uh, my grandmother taught me patience from living in the mountains. I learned a lot of patience. Okay, and and so you know, you mentioned the music. Um, if if you look at yourself from you know, try to get outside yourself, or or even better, what? How do you self-identify as a creative? Are you would you call yourself? I mean, I I know that you've done so many different things, but you know, let's start kind of early on. I mean, was music a, a a main driver of your creativity, or did you have uh, additional, you know, genres behind you? Um, oh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you kind of came up as a creative. Oh, I understand. Uh, the music basically was a driving force. It's, it's uh, I would say, life force. That that has always been there. You know, uh, listening to R and B music back in the day. Uh, uh, whether that be the you know the 60s and 70s where I grew when I grew up and my, you know hearing what my grandmother and my mother played during that time, uh-huh. for me I, I would I would have to say um, that since the music came naturally I needed to put images with these things and um, Stanley Kubrick was my first was my was my first I learned about space through Stanley Kubrick and how dangerous it is and how crazy it is and how, you know, you get lost out there, you're gone, you're gone and you're done. And mm-hmm. it was a Star Wars like everybody else that made space a little bit more playful, but still I wanted to stick with the serious side of space and what it's about and so on and so forth and yada, 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 and still have that, you know, uh, light speed, time travel, uh, lightsabers, you know, the, the whole works of what Star Wars is all based on, you know, not necessarily time travel, but you know what I mean. I was totally available to see all that and accept that, and that really got me off. What if I wanted to get off the planet? What would I do? How would I survive on the planet? How would I do this? And yada, yada, yada. So sure. that was pretty much my basis. And, and I mean, sci-fi obviously crept on you pretty quickly. I mean, my uh, um, very quickly. Yeah. About how, how old were quickly. you when you first started get, getting into that? Um, I would probably have to say about seven years old again. Um, oh, if man. you remember back in the day, yeah, huge. There was no, there was no Superman. There was no Spider-Man. I mean, you know, at that time, you know, there was a six million dollar man. There was, you know, uh, journeys to journey to the bottom of the sea, uh, two uh, thousand leagues beneath the sea. Right. There were a lot of things that were going on as far as you know, uh, you know, space Battlestar Galactica and the things that were going on long before Star Wars came out. But I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I mm-hmm. wanted to learn what it is to 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 go into space, to to live out there for a long period of time. How long would would my body survive? How would I eat? How would I do this? Will I miss my family? Literally getting off the planet and finding out what would happen. So. That was the first thing that started, and then I wanted to start building spaceships, and then I wanted to uh, that I wanted to be a part of NASA. That was that was huge. <laughs> so that pretty much carried yeah, on no, no, all I, the way I to get 10. that. You know, let me and and I hope this you don't get offended by my asking you, but do you think it's because you had a largely middle class upbringing that you had the luxury of of kind of glomming on to and being able to be entertained and intrigued 
by something like outer space. No, um, what it what it was was when you, as a, as a black man at the age I am right now, and I noticed I've listened to like forty of the '80s shows that you put out. I noticed a lot of people don't want to talk about their age, but I'm 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 in my fifties now. At yeah. the time that I was growing up, during the time that I wanted to go ahead and explore these things, it, it wasn't it wasn't a luxury. Okay. My grandmother made an effort to take me from here to this up middle class or not. You know, there were things that I need to learn. My grandmother did not want me to have a police record. My grandmother did want me to go to college. My grandmother wanted me to do these things, and she had to expand my mind. So, sure. when you know, I'm not sitting in front of a computer because at that time, computers were not in existence. You know, get right. out of the house, you know, and I say oh, get out now. You know, yeah. you know, get you know, and when the lights come on, you know when you got to be back in, you know. <laughs> you know when the street lights you, come you on, know, you better be back in yeah. the house. You know what's so funny I right now? That. You talk to, you know, like the the current whatever gen it is. I don't know what they call this current generation of, you know, 20-somethings. But the if you, if you ask or something, if you ask them what a card catalog is, they look at you like, you you know, they, they have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly, the Dewey Decimal System, all that thing. You oh, know, I was yeah, there exactly. back in high school, so I had to, I had to truly learn that. And because I was an mm-hmm. amateur archaeologist and am, amateur, you know, astronomer, I wanted to learn about certain things, and I remember, you know, back in the day, it was the microfish. When it came time to graduate high school, you know, you didn't get, you know, okay, we're going to sit you up with this computer program and hook you up. No, it was, right. brother, there's the microfish. Get on that microfish. I'm sure a lot of your listeners out there that are our age understand that microfish. It's a long process, but in the end, your jobs are limited by that microfish. Whatever's on that microfish is what you get. You can't respond to it. You accept it, and you move on. Yeah, and it wasn't I would interactive. Take what I, yeah, I was not going to take what I was accepted with, and I, I wanted more. I wanted more for my life. You know, somebody mentioned in the chat room, and I see you're not logged into the chat room, not that it's any problem. I, I'll, I'll let you know if anybody has any questions. But no somebody way. mentioned that uh, Encyclopedia Britannica was the Internet, and it really was, or, or for the lesser intellects, world book. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, it, it was a whole different a whole different way in culture of acquiring knowledge of, okay. of about about looking at things i mean when when you talk about the space program back then for people like you and me you know where do you go you go to uh, popular science mm-hmm. you know you go to the library you maybe pick up uh scientific american national because Ge- they did that they, yeah and, oh national yeah national geographic was national great geographic on doing was the top one and, and, yeah. and the scientific and I, the scientific the scientific one i read that but they only showed you how to build machines that means you had to have access to a, a radio shack which was not available right. at that time you know you either yeah. had the like unlike bill gates you got the you got the materials in the garage. You can go there and build that stuff and say, "Hey, mom, I need this LED," or "Hey, mom, I need this," or "Hey, dad, I need this." That wasn't that wasn't available. You had to understand what the process of LED is. So therefore, you had to go into the library and look that up. You can't just throw it on the web and say, "Oh, LED LED lights, what's going on?" No, you had to go through the Dewey Decimal System. You had to look through the libraries. You had to do that leg, that hard, strenuous legwork and how to get the information to learn how to have people teach you how to do this not necessarily right. saying uh, you had to h- how can i put it um you had to learn how to think not what to think right it wasn't spoon fed to you and basically they exactly. they taught a whole different style back then they taught you how to acquire knowledge nowadays exactly. they just tell you where to go get it 
Oh, yeah, exactly. just go to Wikipedia. Oh, just go here, exactly. just go there. Exactly. And exactly. You, teach, you teach that to kids, and then you wonder why the hell they plagiarize their papers because they don't know totally, any which better. Is, which is totally true. But most of us, I mean, most of us that are age our grandparents now of Generation X, and what right. most people give, they, they don't teach their children, a, a, instead of giving, they give them a destination, not information. They leave the information up to them to find themselves. However, you know, when you learn how to cuss for the first time from, a, you know, when a child, they heard it from the playground because their parents said it. And, you know, children like sponges. They just repeat that madness out. Nowadays, you don't even need that. These kids, okay, uh, you go ahead and play on this computer, and uh, by the way, I'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Meanwhile, your kids are like tapping away. They know more than what you do, and then, guess what? They're on a porn site. Oops, sorry. <laughs> you know, oh, I thought that was, you know, you don't know what they're putting, you pulling out or what they're pulling out. You don't know what they're reading, what they're saying, all that stuff, you know? And right. the kids just don't understand that legwork and how hard it is and what you specifically looking for and not be deterred or distracted by other things out there, you know, stick with what you're looking for and focus on that, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because as I listen to you talk about that time, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are, but we Understood. grew up during the same period, time period, mm-hmm. you know, like one of the things that was like cool for me, we were very fortunate here in Chicago to have a Heath kit outlet, mm. you know, Heath kit mm. store where you go in there and you look at these cool things. You know, they had one of the first robots. They had one of the first commercially available consumer computers. You know, they had all mm-hmm. of these cool things that mm-hmm. that that forced you not only to, to maybe take a look at the technology, but you actually had to build it. And, Definitely. And, and you, you have no opportunity for that today. Kids don't have any opportunity. They go to they, – even the best colleges they go to, they don't build – uh, they don't build anything, you know. Um, what they do is they're being taught at the elementary and high school level just mm-hmm. enough so that they can make change at McDonald's. And nobody, you know, and and it's sad. So it it, it is so cool to hear that, <clears throat> excuse me, an early age interest like that was, was something that you pursued. And and I also, you know, obviously our your grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, you know, they were of a different generation too. You know, exactly. they were of the, first of all, first of all, I couldn't, there was no way I could like be in the basement and just do stuff. You know, they made exactly. me go outside. They, they, made, they made me go to the library. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I say this to, just to let people know a little bit how geeked out I was. In eighth grade, <laughs> in my eighth grade, I did my eighth grade term paper on Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Now mm. there 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 ain't a whole lot of black folks now who know who he was, but that was also back mm-hmm. then. But but you're right, it was a whole different time. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it was better, oh, it was you know we're superior. It was a lot. It, it was just very different. So I mean, so I, at I, the time, I totally agree. Yeah, so, so at the time, you're in the sci-fi, you're in the music, you are you are self-motivated in 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 so far as like. It sounded like your grandmother said, I would bet if you went and asked her about a thing, she would have told you to go look it up. Oh, yes. That was, that was, that was, a, that was, a, that was a constant, it, always a constant. But if there are certain things that I needed to, to, to needed a deeper, a more ex, a, a explanation for, for example. Right. Um, team, team, not to bring this up, I know, I know this is a family show and whatnot, but let's just talk about uh, uh, teen sex, for example. 
my grandmother told me the rules and what's going on. Do you want to take care of babies? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? No, I do not. Well, then you you better keep that. You you better keep your keep your you know keep yeah, your keep hands your zipper yourself, up. Keep your zipper, keep your zipper up, right. up, and you focus on what you want to do because Granny ain't got no time to be taking care of you and your babies <laughs> that you can't support. So you better right. focus on what you need to do. Yes, ma'am, I understand that. I will do exactly what you say, ma'am. And then, yes, and I stuck to it without flaw. Well. And and the other thing was, you know, it, it just made sense back then. It's like, who who wants to have, well, anyway. Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. But <laughs> no, but, but the thing, the cool thing is, is the values are different now, or, or maybe not the values, but at least the execution of instilling values in kids is a lot different now. First of all, they can see any anything they want to see on the Internet. Any sex act they're interested in, they can see it on the internet. Exactly. And, exactly. and for parents to, to believe that, oh, no, not my kids is very silly. So that's different. You know, exactly. Um, you know, actually on their smartphones, they have mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. To, to more sexual content than you or I could ever have gotten into at of that course. time. Uh, uh, but so, of course. But of course. Yeah, so the values are, are a little bit skewed. The way people get acquire their information is is obviously very very different, and I also think that that probably, I, I it is my contention that the culture that we have today, is is a far less curious, a far less adventurous, a far less um, self motivated culture for young kids than it was mm-hmm. back then. And and I don't okay. say that like ha ha we're superior. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. things have gotten different. No, I totally understand. I under I I, I totally I, I totally understand you. Um, my my extension on what you're saying is, for example, in my eyes, what I personally believe is the 80s was the last decade of of innocence. When you consider the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and all the way back, 80s was the last decade of innocence. After that, sure. that's when Rodney King. That's when everything completely changed. So when you were born at that time. You really did have an old-fashioned way of how to get the American dream, what you will achieve, what you can achieve, and how you can do it. Now, mm-hmm. once the 80s were gone, rap music came in and, and totally blew things up. And, and I'm not blew things up bad, but blew things up good. You know, now we're listening to this, now we're listening to this, and now we're listening to this. And the children have, um, what I, you know, they have a short attention span. That's why, as much as I would love to write a children's story, my work is all based on, for adults, uh, bedtime stories for adults that give you, when you finish reading them or see them in the film, you walk away with a good piece about yourself and your place in the world and gives you something to think about as opposed to saying, okay, one ring is going to sew them all, it, it, you know, it's going to fix everything like in Lord of the Rings, or a one, you, whoever draws a sword is the king, you know, you know, that doesn't happen. Those archetypes are dead and gone. I'm writing right. stories for the adults who live. The children are always going to be taken care of, and I'm not saying anything bad about the children because they need that help too. But for me, sure. it's important for my stories to influence and hopefully show some joy to the adults that have now are already living and say, here's a good a good story for you to, to read, and now take that goodness back to your children and let them go run around and go crazy. But in the end, you know, it's a story for adults. Adults, uh, uh, in, my, in my vision, since I've been in the game for so long, I understand that adult comic books were the way to go. This is what is eventually going to happen. Studying it for as long as I have since 77, when I really right. got hardcore into it, I understood exactly. You're like, well, I used to take my kids to this thing. Well, not anymore. It was never going to be that way. 
if you had been persistently going to the comic book conventions as I had from 75 all the way to 92, then you see how much things have changed. You know, I mean, even San Diego Comic-Con, which used to be this place where you go in and you get a ticket, you get next year. But now it's so overly processed, and I believe that we as black people who have access to these wonderful Comic-Cons that we have, and we're, we're going to continue doing this in the high school. The way mm-hmm. it works is like when I say high school, it's like this. When you're doing the Comic-Con thing, you start. You either rent the office buildings, then you have a little Comic-Con. After that, you go to the high schools, then you have your little Comic-Con. Then after that, then you go to the colleges, then you use their auditorium. And then after that, then you get to San Diego Comic-Con. But we're still doing high schools right now, and that's just not going to work. There are a lot of black people, creatives out there, that really need jobs that are creative and need to make money off their creativity. And working with me and the people that I have worked with, I make sure that they get that by giving them 100% of their profit. And that is mm-hmm. very hard. Everybody, no matter what you do, somebody's going to want some some of your profit, but they don't understand the business behind it, the money behind it, the marketing behind it. Do you want to last a year or forever? What is your goal and what you want to do, you know? And that's that's a hard thing to explain to artists, especially black creatives, who say, okay, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Okay, well, well do you care? What about the money? I know that you, it's not about the artwork. I know you love it and so on and so forth, but it's about that money. Did you... Think about this. Did you consider this? How are you going to do this without this? And a lot of black people don't understand that because we haven't been taught that. We walk in saying, okay, like like you've said numerous times on your show, well, I'm going to give it to Oprah Winfrey, and then she's going to go ahead and go check this out, <laughs> and then all of a yeah. sudden it's going to work. No, dude, that's not how it works. I mean, I understand. Right. I mean, what is the joke that black people use against us, ourselves? Oh, they're looking for that hookup. Well, that hookup is going to come, brother, but you have to understand the money behind it. I understand that you love the work, and that you, but it's about that money. If you don't understand that money, then you, will des- you are destined to fail. Well, and, and you know, there, there is a sad similarity to our culture where um, a lot of people, uh, there, there are ways that business gets done in this country. Okay, and, and some people okay. could, and some people could call it, you know, oh well, that's the white way of doing business, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. or that's that's how the man gets it done. You know, I'm I'm going to be keeping it real for myself, and I'm going to do this, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do that, and and unfortunately, you know, business models exist for a reason, and successful exactly. business models business models get replicated. And, True, but and if I may as, jump in here, Mr. Hayashi, and just to jump in yes. here real quick, the business model has changed because of the invention of the internet. All those old oh, no, all no, no, people no. that were in that were in no high school doubt. going to it's completely changed, and a lot of people don't get that that the model not only has changed, but those those revenues or past revenues do not exist. Why do you think the music music business is getting crunched and getting killed by by Who? YouTube and everything else out there? Movies too. I mean, the the exactly. fact of the matter is that all content, all content with very, very, very few exceptions. Okay, you know, sculpture, something like that. Mm-hmm. But about mm-hmm. um, almost all content can be digitized. And mm-hmm. once something something can be digitized, it mm-hmm. can be distributed in a way where you don't get your automatic value added cut of the profit. Which is okay. which is totally, truly true. Totally true. Yeah. However, that that digital format is not permanent. Do you understand? It's one thing to go out and buy. For example, 
I collected comic books that put me through college, that allowed me to live in Europe for eight years, that allowed me to sure. go ahead and do this because I collected these things. I wasn't yeah. taught about, the, you know, the Dow Jones and how to invest and these things. I just had to follow my gut instinct, which was instead of buying this one issue, number one, I'm going to buy five of those issues of the same number one. And then I'm going to buy six of number two, three of number three, four of the, you know, just, you know, that whole thing. Now, over over time, those comic books became were, were worth money now. So now I was able right. to change those and change my life. Do you understand? Well, you, what you did was you monetized your interests, okay? Exactly. And, 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 you know, a lot of people don't always recognize how that can be done. Um, before we get too deep in the weeds, let's talk yes, a little sir. bit about your teenage years, okay? Because, oh, you know, you, did, you mentioned that you lived over, overseas. Um, what, let's, uh, once you got out of high school, what did you do then? Wow, that's really kind of crazy because i got to go back and start into college and go back into high school. Um, and being born and raised in Denver, Colorado, now granted, I'm going to get back into college after that, but you have to understand okay. that, I, again, Denver, Colorado, I went to East High School. I graduated in 1983. Don Cheel went to the same the high school I went to. He graduated in 1982. My mom went to that same high school, but back in the day before I was born. So that means my principal knows he knows my grandma, he knows my mom, because my mom was the first black prom queen ever in this school. So when I came okay. in, at, you know, when it's time, they're like, oh, yeah, we know where you are, so we're looking out for you. Now, I started Dungeons & Dragons. Not started, but I played Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons at that time in the 80s was considered a very, very dark game because you hung out with people in the basement playing these games with with uh, you know, uh, with the player's handbook, the monster manual, fiend, for, fiend portfolio, DDs and demigods, and all these other crazy things. Now, my grandmother was not sure about that. The only difference between playing Dungeons & Dragons with friends and now is what's called an Xbox, PlayStation. You play the same game. You know what I'm saying? It's sure. just not a, in board form. It's in computer form. Back then, when you, you were, you know, what are you playing this game? You're hunting down demons. What's going on? I can't believe you're doing that. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. And those things worked out, you know. I had to go ahead and play these games. Now, when I left and went on into college, I went and continued my education, and I studied film, and I played, I continued Dungeons & Dragons, you know, in college. And in a sense, what I'm saying is, since I've been writing, 90, 95% of my clientele has always been white. So most, mm -hmm. of the, most of the people, they're like, oh, well, I've never written for, you know, I'll write for, no, I, my, my whole life, my whole clientele has been white. They have always been white. They've, they've been white because they get it. Black people back in the 80s, when the crack epidemic was huge in the cities, black people weren't thinking about Superman, Batman, or any of that madness. Things were tough, you know? But me, I didn't have that upbringing, you know? So mm -hmm. it was always about science fiction and so on and so forth, you know? So that's my thing. So I, mm -hmm. I just continued that. I continued to learn that, and I got into special effects props and uh, selling my services when I moved to California to uh, people in the film industry. Okay. Okay. And pretty much from there, that's when things got, uh, you know, wonderfully crazy. <laughs> you know, wonderfully crazy. I knew I wanted to do something in the film industry, and I knew I wanted that work to go by. But put it like this, when I got out of high school and I wanted to go, the colleges I should be going to were UCLA and USC. Right. These were schools that were, you know, I didn't have the money. Like my grandmother pulled me aside and she said, listen, you know, we're, I, I'm not going to send you to college. Your family's not going to. They don't have the money to send you to college. So you're either going to join the military, do post office, or find another way. 
Right. <laughs> you know, because we're not, we're not, that's not going to happen. And I, I understood that at a very young age. So um, when you, when I was showing you, uh, well, you, Jervis has my book, my portfolio. But if you look on there, um, I did uh, the NAACP. Now that when I say that I did that, that means they had an actual award back in eighty two, eighty three, where they got the best mathematicians, the best scientists, singers, dancers, actors, filmmakers, and myself, and many others. It got them all together in Boston, Massachusetts. I won that cost. I won that contest the first year thousand dollars my name got in the paper i got the award the nwc was happy about this second year i went to new orleans won that so it was it was go you know when the newspaper like yeah mm-hmm, i'm gonna send mm-hmm. this brother to college everything's gonna work out but things right. didn't work out that way i needed i didn't have the money to or the scholarship to go to usc or ucla and i unfortunately couldn't get help by the united negro college fund which my grandmother pushed me into so that we can not push me into but she said that this is what's going to happen but the United right. Negro College Fund couldn't help me because in order to receive that fund, you have to go to a, a black college, an all-black right, college. Right, HBCU. Yeah, right. Exactly. And there were no film schools at that time. And, and I'm not, there's not even any black film schools now, you know what I'm saying? So there, right. was, there was nothing I could do. So if I can't go to UCLA and I can't go to USC and I can't get the United Negro College Fund in order to get help to go to a college because there's no black schools that teach, that teach this type of work, that means – Boom! Forget college. You're in California now. Now it's time to do it. You got to pound that pavement. So I took all the skills that I knew from making all the science fiction films, and I hired myself, like I mentioned before, for the kids who were in in the film school. So they needed special effects or something and so forth. So they would put ads in the California paper, which I responded to under the name of Nightwolf Productions, and offered my services to help them get through their student films. So I sure. learned how to do that, and that that was it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, and, and see, the thing is, is, you know, college is not a prerequisite for anything. I mean, when, when you and I were coming up, as many people went to trade schools as went to college, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so, and, and, yeah, so it's, and, and I didn't ask it like, oh, well, that's the panacea for everything, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tell people that I have the finest the finest sixth grade education that Chicago Public Schools can offer. <laughs> um, and, you know, me and Jeffro Bodine, you know. Yeah. But, but, but the, but the right. thing is, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, when when you look at, well, okay, we have, we have an unbroken string of us being slighted, and when I say us, black folks being slighted, you know, that goes back over 400 years. And mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is, you know, even through today, in mm-hmm. in too many cases, um, in order for blacks to get the kind of education they want to get and get it in the areas that they want to get it, yeah. um, sometimes they have to jump through some extraordinary hoops to do that, or, you know, they're just not offered that opportunity. Um, true. And and, and true. the um, the focus in this country is, you know, uh, basically, you have the wealthiest people in this country doing what they can to make higher education inaccessible to anybody but their own kids. Understood. Um, and and so the you know it it's not it wasn't so bad. I mean, obviously you you did a hell of a job learning all of that, but you're learning on the job, and and that's how we used to learn. We used to learn by example. We used to learn by doing, and. Uh, it's not that easy to get that kind of uh, get that kind of job 
today. I mean, that, yes, you that can on, be, uh, that on the job experience, right? On the job experience and, that that cements the learning process, as opposed to being told something and then having to regurgitate it later. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes. Oh, somebody said okay. I'm stupid in the chat room. Well, that, that is <laughs> no, no, no. It's true. I mean, when when you when you have the finest sixth grade education that the Chicago public schools can can provide, people will of course make that yeah. uh, make that connection. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, you know, I I do film here in Chicago. You know, I do mm-hmm. script repair, I do production work, um, mm-hmm. I help people produce and things like that. And and one of the reasons why I work here, and one of the reasons why I have you know, probably about uh, maybe between 50 and 75 people that I work with, you know, on a fairly regular basis is because right. we have all concluded that for the vast majority of people, um, L.A., going to Hollywood, is is where you go to have your dreams die because ah. it's, it's very hard to get that on-the-job experience in a substantive way. You know, people will use you. you for sl- slave labor, things like that. I hear you. So, you I know, Finding an opportunity. Let's let's say you're a black person in you know a black man in St. Louis who is interested in doing film. You know where does he go? He can come to Chicago okay. and go to Columbia University, but that's a mixed university, and and I'm not sure, but I think it's predominantly white. So okay. you know they're 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 basically like you said. They're, where where is our black film college in this country? Well, where's our black film school? You know that sort of. Thing. I, I, I totally, I totally understand. I totally understand that. Like, not not to get off the subject, but staying on the subject. Sure. Just, let's, let's take let's take Avatar for example. When mm-hmm. Avatar came out, there were a lot of people. There were a lot of white people that I knew that were in the genre that were like saying, like, look, if this movie becomes successful, that means we're out of work. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the if you look at the Oscars, the Academy Awards, when when it won, what did it get? It, I think it got uh, um, um, like technical uh, best technical award or something like right. that. And that's pretty much right. it. They couldn't get makeup. They can't get costuming. They can't get anything because all that was completely fake. Only, right. Excuse me for saying this, but only the white people were out of work because they're the ones who went. Because when I was like you said, college. Going to co- all the people that I know that went into college to learn all that stuff that could afford to go to college. Well, guess what? The computer's been invented, and now you got to pay uh, and all that money that you spent learning all that technique. Well, now you got to go back again and relearn it all over again, and it's all it computer now. You know that means yeah. all those bills that you spent, all that money that you spent is completely done. But black people, well, we never lost anything because we were never in the industry anyway. Because when I was hanging out in California, when I was living in California. When they were when they were you know protesting and and um, picketing because of their pay or whatever the deal was, well you know what, I lived in Studio City, which is pretty much the home, the hometown, you know, of, of of movie stars living right next door to them, down the street from them, and so on and so forth. But the thing about it is, is there were mostly white people that were losing their they were losing their money. There were there were a few black people peppered through there, but that was about it. When right. it comes down to the computer, that was it. They were out of work. But now black people who do not know how, who never went to school but want to get into movies, well, boom, let's do that now. Let's ne- we don't need to do computer work because that costs a lot of money. Let's teach you how to do it old school like Hollywood was built on, the servos, the, pli- the, the, you know, the latex skin, the, the whole thing, the prosthetics, the creature effects, all that stuff matters, you know? We don't just have mm-hmm. to just put a green screen on you like Andy Serkis. He's getting all kinds of work. 
but he's not doing anything but wearing a little green skin tight outfit and little computer balls and whatnot and changing his voice. That's it. He doesn't have to do no makeup. He just puts some stuff on and just walk around and talk and do this. So they computerly digitalize his face and put some other stuff on there, like uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That's totally Andy Serkis all up in there, just like Lord of the Rings. He's Gollum up in that bad boy. You know, well, that's it. In, no makeup is necessary. Mo- right. In in most cases, he's basically voice talent. Okay, yes, he it's, has, you know, yeah. they, do, they do some motion capture. But exactly. we're at the point now where motion capture is unnecessary because we, yeah. you know, we have we have uh, we have digital simulations of human mm-hmm. move, movement, non-human movement, animal movement, things like that, where where you you know you you look at these things and you're creating you're creating an illusion out of whole cloth. You know, one of the exactly. coolest things for me was you know I I, I still am in awe of when they. They did the first, uh, what was that movie? Uh, it's the one with the dinosaurs. Sorry, I oh, have CRS uh, Jurassic, No, 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 Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. The original Jurassic yeah. Park. So, yeah, that was, so when that, you, that was when you look at When you look at the original Jurassic Park, uh, and, and, and let's say that they showed that movie in the 1930s, there's okay. no way that the people in the 1930s would not have been convinced that dinosaurs were real. Exactly. Exactly. But you have to yeah. also understand that even because Spielberg put out Jurassic Park, which is a Michael Crichton book, Stan Winston, Stan Winston was the man behind the actual physical dinosaurs. So when you needed to have a two shot with a, with a character talking to this dinosaur who's either laying down or about to get attacked, they built full scale models with that, plus the skin, right. plus the servos to make it move and so on and so forth. That wasn't right. all computer. And because of that, that set the mu- that set that movie for a precedence, and that's why they knew that it was going to be a smash and a success. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the mixture right. between computer, the puppet- old school puppetry, aka Jim Henson, and computer mastery and to make mm-hmm. it look more real. Plus, with the sound effects, and you ha- and let's not forget, ILM, Industrial Light Magic, George Lucas's company. They had the lighting, the sound, the special effects. They had, they were all behind that whole thing. So of course mm-hmm. it was going to turn out awesome. But if black people right. are going to do this, we don't have the computer. We're not writing programs and 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 uh, and uh, uh, code to make these things happen. So I believe that black people need to be able to get back into the old-fashioned way of building puppetry that looks feasibly correct on camera, and how to make prosthetics and creature masks and so on and so forth. And, and it, down to our fashion and our jewelry, it needs to be updated and brought into a world where it's acceptable and not replaced by computer work. So so what you're advocating um seems seems to run counterculture right now because you know I I I look at the people on BSFS and I you know I you know, I've uh, spoken to Kel, uh, Kevin Wilmot he did um Destination Planet Negro with a minimum of special effects but but what right. you it sounds <laughs> like what you're recommending is that we it, for us to to recreate the magic of the original uh, uh, illusion of Hollywood, Hollywood illusion. Exactly, exactly. Okay. You know when you wa- you know when you sat down and watched. You know when you watched when you watched King Kong, and I'm talking Peter Jackson's version of King Kong. You mm-hmm. saw King Kong up there. You knew by far, 
even though it looks great, you know that that is computer effects. You know that of that's course. what's jumping off. But when you right. saw aliens, I'm talking James Cameron's aliens. I'm talking the first predator that came out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm talking about even as far as um, Empire Strikes Back when you saw the Tauntaun, when Phil Tippett did the stop-motion animation and they cut to Luke Skywalker on the Tauntaun. That was puppetry. These people, I mean, they were doing it long before that. You know, so now that they're now that the white people are out of work because everything with computer, where black people need to know how to do that, and now we can take that puppet, that puppetry and mastery of that physical work, and bring it into our own work and do that. You know, you're not going to compete against the man who's got the best program because you're not writing the code. That's it. You have to go backwards, and you have to go backwards to learn the art and the magic to keep that magic alive. So when you see that magic on that screen, you go, geez, is that real or is that computer? Wait a minute. That character's actually touching. Oh, is that real? Right. You know, that whole, that whole thing. You know, you get to wonder about that. Back in the day, you had to find out how they made this. You had to look and see if you had to find out. Now you get DVD tapes and like, oh, now you get the special features. And even that's well, not I mean, enough. You still got to go ahead. Sir. I'm I'm sorry. I was just thinking, you know, when um, of course I just oh Stan Winston. Stan Winston mm-hmm. was was the genius behind so many. I don't even want to say effects. He created creatures. He created true, true. style. You know, um, when mm-hmm. when you look at when you like you said you brought up a good movie. You know, the the original Alien. Um, that was the a second movie one. that not, the, the second Aliens, not Alien, but okay, Aliens. Well, That's yeah, well, really both, went crazy. Yeah, but both both of them did did not rely on CGI to the extent of let's take the last Transformers. We, okay. you know, it to do the last the, a, a movie the equivalent of the tra- of Transformers. Um, they they were figuring that if uh, somebody had a very very high powered graphics workstation. So let's say a brother mm-hmm. has a, a, a very high-powered graphics workstation. It would have taken right. him 14,000 14, years to render that movie. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> you know, and, and so, I totally agree. So when, when, you, when you look at maybe the ambition of doing a movie like that, some things are out of the average person's reach, you know. Which and, is totally and, true. And the the bad part, the the horrifying part, the part that's so disappointing, is that who who is going to be the first black director to have a one hundred and fifty million dollar budget for his movie? You know what? Okay. I totally I I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But the the, the track record has already been proven. One of the problems I had, because I've written 18 screenplays, 64 short okay. stories, and not only that, my graphic novels are vast, so I'm ready to get going. Right. Most of the people, if they didn't look at my resume and they saw the NAACP awards I had at the bottom, they just kind of like skim through the resume, and they look and they talk to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, this white boy is great. Yeah, let's get him in, let's get him in. And they, all of a sudden, they found out <laughs> I'm black. And they're like, what? And like, yeah, I mean, look, let me just give you really a really quick example. Circa oh, 1992. Circa 1992. As when, remember when the mergers were all getting started and everybody was merging together and getting all this? So Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen started DreamWorks. They were right. just getting started on that. I just so happened to, because I'm, I'm a hardcore sci-fi fan and I have friends in the network, told me about what the situation was. So I put my screenplay in, which is Body Slide. I pitched that in. Boom. I get the interview. 
Now I get to DreamWorks and I'm 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 freaking out. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good. I got my nice suit on. I'm not on black people time. I'm like early. I'm ready to go. I'm let's just let's do it. Like now I get in there. The guy looks at my portfolio. He doesn't even look at me. He looks at my portfolio. Says, oh, this is nice. So why do you want to get into science fiction? Well, blah 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 blah. I give my explanation. He goes, okay, we'll be in touch with you. Now I said something on the I said something on the course of. I want to bring another type of feel to the science fiction because I see that it's dying and I want to add on something to it and basically change the game. He's like, okay, didn't right. even look at me. He said, okay. He closed the book. And he says, okay, thank you. Now I get the okay. Now I get my portfolio back. I'm walking out the door. Now the guy who the the, the assistant who brought me into the office is like, hey. You're the guy who wrote Body Slide? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I read that script. That's such a good script. I'm like, oh, you really you think so, man? He goes, oh, thank God. I'm not going to get the job. And he goes, nope. And I'm like, why not? He says, they're scared of you, bro. They're scared of you. They're not going to let you in. But I'm going to tell you this. I liked your script, and I showed some other people, and I want you to just stay with it, keep the faith, and all that other good stuff, and you keep making it. No problem. I, went, I left. I did that. That's no big deal. I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. Now, it's about like about two hours later when I'm already back home, and I'll get a phone call. Now, this phone call is from the guy who got me the interview in the first place. He's talking to me. He goes, I don't understand what happened. And I said, well, you know what, brother, thank you so much. And now he heard the last words I said, thank you, brother, that's okay. And he went, can I ask you a question? Without being, I'm like, oh, he goes, are you black? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, no way, I'm black. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, I thought you were the white boy that were going to get me in the job. And I'm like, What? He goes, dude, oh, man. I said, I, he, goes, he goes, I read that script. That script was the bomb. And he goes, I thought for sure you were the white boy that was going to get me in and get me discovered. This was right. it. And I'm like, dude, you didn't get in either. He goes, no, so this is it. So I have another story like that, but I'm not going to get into that now. But that's what I'm saying. When you're out to com- when you're, I mean, America, if there's one thing about living in Europe as long as I have, I understand the art of competition. I am ready to get down and dirty. How many people have been understanding? I've been watching this game like Wall Street since 77 on to the current date. You know, how it's going to turn out. Who's going to do what? Where's Marvel going to come in? I remember Stan Lee coming to my high school saying, oh, yeah, Excelsior, and we're going to do this. Excuse me, Mr. Stanley. Yes, what can I help you with? Well, why ain't Black Panther coming? Well, you know, we're kind of working on that right now, and we'll get right back to you. Anyway, next question. You know, you know okay, thank you, Mr. Thank you. Okay, that's it. Nothing else said. And that was it. Competition is the game. A lot of your, a lot of the listeners have never written for white people before, but I started out at 14, easy. 90% mm-hmm. of my clientele that I've been doing has always been white because black people have never got what I'm doing because they're scared. And when I'm scared, they're like, they don't understand that even though the images I offer are dark, but the words are positive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's something original, something to, you know, really get out there. You know, what is that old saying? I'm doing me, you do you. Well, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, um, it, just as an aside, two different people handed my first novel to uh, Spike Lee at a book, at different mm-hmm. book signings. And mm-hmm. and so so I know he's got two copies of it, but you know one of them actually asked him. Uh, oh no, he said, "Is this is is this sci-fi?" And uh, whoever oh the woman said yes. He says, "Oh I I don't do sci-fi." Yeah. And and yeah and and so you know what you know where where do you go from there? You know who who else do we talk to? Oh let's talk to uh, what's the guy the guy in the dress, uh, Tyler mm-hmm. Perry. <laughs> he, well, you know he, he doesn't, has his he own doesn't really, Well yeah. But he doesn't do sci-fi either, or he has not. Yes, he, well, yes, yes, let's just, yes, let's yes. just say, 
I'm sorry. Tyler Perry's no, Tyler Perry's first first uh, first introduction in the sci-fi, as far as I'm concerned, is the the new star. Uh, uh, the new Star Trek uh, that J.J. J. 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 Abrams did. He's actually one of the counselor people and so on and so forth. Oh, no. Yeah, he's he's like an admiral that, in there. That, no, yeah, I, he's, I know. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. But, but that's not his movie. Him, he, no, no, yeah, that, that's, sorry, that's definitely true. But what they were saying after that movie had been done, they said, okay, well, Tyler Perry, what's your, what's your future? What you plan on doing? He says, well, I'm thinking about doing something in sci-fi. That's the last you heard of it. That's the last he said, and he disappeared. You never heard from him. You don't know about any of that. We don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to happen or even if it's true because Tyler Perry's, his market is in the black culture as being teaching us what we already know about black people and the problems that we have, whether that be drugs, whether that be prison, whether that be this. And that's Tyler Perry's shtick. That's his, that's his thing. But when it mm-hmm. comes to sci-fi, we need to be able to, uh, as black people, to imagine ourselves in places that n- – to boldly go where no man has gone before, you know, not no white man, but you know, but no man has gone before, you know. We need to really push that, push our imagination. What can you do with this? No, you don't have to be from the herb, the, the you know, the, the hood or from this whatever. You you can do it. You can right. be this person. You know, you don't have to be you that guy what? wearing a cape. Yeah. Um. Let me. Let me. Uh, which is a good point. But let me uh, repeat something that I heard. And um, what I heard was one of the reasons why Selma did not get the Academy support that so many people think it deserves is because unlike 12 Years a Slave, in Selma, we had triumphant black folks, principled black Which folks. Which is totally and, true. And, and, and that, you know, the, the anti-black cultural backlash since, you know, uh, uh, the, the election and re-election of President uh, Obama fostered, not that he had anything to do with it, it you know, that, the, the word is, and they have said that that scared the hell out of white folks because what it did was it, it completely destroyed any notion of white exceptionalism whatsoever. And so, True. you know, culturally, you get a backlash like that and it it makes things it makes things difficult because people are small minded you know people have that, fears people and and the other thing is the hollywood studio system is mm-hmm. risk averse for a reason if they spend 150 million dollars to make a movie they damn well better get a half a billion dollars back otherwise they don't see it as a, a successful project Exactly. And, and, I, totally agree. and, and I have and I have one more thing I'm going to mention, and I, there's there's somebody here who's going to be pissed that I said it, but okay. here's the deal: you have um, I think that one of the the problems for blacks in sci-fi right now was the lack of financial the lack of expected financial success of what was that After Earth with Will Smith and his son? Yes. Yes. And and so. Yes. Regardless of any extenuating circumstances, you have you have people who don't think very deeply. You have people who have their built-in prejudices and things like that. You have a black vehicle sci-fi movie like that that does not make the expected amount of money, based upon you know a, what what Hollywood considers a, is a bankable star, and Which I believe that that sort. Yeah, I I think that makes it difficult for the next black sci-fi person to come along. If that person okay. is ever going to show up, um, okay. I tru- well, I truly, time will tell. I truly time will tell. That. Yeah, we'll, time will we'll tell. Think of it this way: Jada Pinkett, she came out with her own comic book 
a long time ago. And a lot of black people don't even know that. I only know that just because I was a sci-fi fan and I had to go buy right. my fix and my fix was my comic books. Yeah. She didn't get she didn't get recognized for that. I got that comic right. book and I sent all kinds of information to her to let her I mean, you have to understand. Wild Wild West. Do you understand that that's basically that was Will Smith playing the black version of James Bond? They're not going to well, accept yeah. that. Right. Come and, on. And that now, was they're, they're that was sci-fi as well. Exactly. And, and that was now, sci-fi as well. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. You don't know. And and then you go into um iRobot for example. Was it Isaac Asimov? Oh, come on, right. dude. Really? He's going to really you're going to really play the okay, after Earth. Okay, that's fine. He did that old thing, but now he's trying to be serious and so on and so forth. They didn't really change his look. He got his kid in it. That's great. I understand that. But in the end, not a black person wrote that. This is a black man taking the role from you know, being a white being an, a, a, the role was originally written for a white person. Now he's got it, including I Am Legend. If you look at the graphic novel comic book of that, that's a white guy, you know. Will Smith should be playing some other roles that are written for him, but black people don't get they'll get him into the comedy. And if it's, I mean, come on, Will Smith should be competing with Tom Cruise in a, like an oblivion. He should be kicking, excuse me for saying this, he should be kicking ass all the way to the bank. But he's, mm-hmm. un, he's, he's, he's untouchable. It'll take you need to know this. In, in all the years I spent in L.A., you got to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, which is totally cool. I understand that game and how it works, but I'm doing film to get me noticed. If you notice what I'm doing and you hear what I'm doing and you walk away from it, then there's no way that you can sit there and say, well, the white man did anything. Because Tyler Perry, come on, I've been sending him information just like BET, just like I have been doing Black Enterprise Magazine. I've been sending these black people information about me for over three decades now. No mm-hmm. one, they're like, well, they're not going to see it. You know, Jimi Hendrix, how did he get discovered? He went over to Europe, played in Europe, got discovered, came back over to America, and now, boom, he blew up. I mean, come on, Eartha Kitt. I mean, I, Josephine Baker. The list goes on and on and on. That's Quin- why I went to Quincy Europe. Jones. I've got yeah, discovered no, out true. there. Quincy Jones, of right. course. The same yeah. thing. Oh, and Duke Ellington. <laughs> there you and there you go. I mean, some of the yeah. jazz greats that were. I mean, I mean, that's how it always happens. And then you go in there and they go, oh, "Well, you know, if we, no, if the people, you can't complain when the people are staring you right in the face." This web, this wonderful website that Jarvis has already started, it's already got four thousand people on it. Already four thousand, if not five thousand people. Come on, how many actual? There are black people I know that are in the industry that even, that don't even know it exists because they don't think it exists. They don't know. They have no idea. Black people can't write that. Black people can't do that. Black, well, we're too busy shucking and driving. You know, what do you want to do? You want to do some more comedy? You want to do some more Tyler Perry? How much comedy do you need? We're already laughing at everything. Now it's time to do something bigger. We need to get, okay, we can do the drama. We could do the 10 years of slave. We can always do that. That's fine. But now let's go ahead and do something that's really going to put us in our, that's going to really put a stamp on the mark. Bam. This is what we do. Here's our black. This is our black sci-fi guy, and this is what's going on. I mean, come on. When when um, Wesley Snipes did Blade, I mean, come on. Think about how many black vampires exist in the film in the film history of all horror and sci-fi. How many, Blackula included, how many black sci-fi people are out there playing vampires? Not that many, because black people don't do those type of roles. That's pretty much that's that's damn near de- demonic, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know I, they're not playing. I, I mean, you, you yeah. know, uh, uh, Black Indiana Jones at, at that time when black people were going through this, then it's not, it's not, it's not conceivable as Will Smith playing 
Wild Wild West. How can a black man have that permit, have that position with what we know right now in history of that time period? Really? Yeah, that's <laughs> on, true. You Absolutely. can't buy that. Well, you can't that's, buy that. That's why I called it science fiction. Um, yeah. The, the other <laughs> exactly. thing that I, <laughs> the other thing I think about is, um, you know, you you have you have an entire industry that is devoted to you know, putting out risk averse products out there so that they can make money. And True. and another and another thing that and, and one of the components of that entire circumstance is you have to write a story that has universal appeal. Okay? You can you know, even Tyler Perry, he has a built in audience and his built in audience is not all black. His built in audience is multicultural. Okay, and that's his low-hanging fruit. But in order for him to be successful, he still has to make money. He still has to make a profit. He still has exactly. to pay his bills. He still exactly. has to pay his production people. He exactly. has to pay the white actors and the black actors. So, True. so the fact of the matter is, it's a business. And and if you don't treat these black creative endeavors as a business, and and you're hoping that people will somehow glom onto you because it's art, and I just held my hands up in the, you know, it's art. You know, um, I think that people are going to have a rough road to hoe because it's, it's by and large, it's a money business. Hang on a second here. Well, um, you're listening to sure. the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website, and this is the, uh, I got rid of my calendar here, this is the, the January 23rd <laughs> edition and uh, we have D.E. Rankin Bodhi um, here as our special guest. He's uh, He's been in film. He's been in music. Um, uh, do you have some other art genres that I should mention? Um, well, because my mom was a model and um, I wanted to literally take advantage of uh, the skills that she taught me, I started designing the clothing for my character. Okay, so, so very uh, cool. Also the, very uh, cool. Also the jewelry, uh, the jewelry as well. So um, I designed the jewelry, and then I hired the people that actually have the the smelter in the process, and said, "Okay, here's the design. I need you to do this. You get you get, you know, work with me on this. How do we get this done? Yada yada yada. I need the character for this. You get publicity for doing this, and yada yada yada. I wanted to take right. do it all. You know, right. <laughs> just do it all. Well, I mean, it, it, it sounds very very much like once you master something, you know, you can put it behind you." Because you've you've acquired that skill set, and then you you have the luxury of going on and and learning something else. So that's pretty mm, cool. Very true. Um, very true. Being being able being able to to hopscotch like that, um, first of all, it gives you a much much better perspective about how the world goes on. I believe, and and Agreed. second of all, it 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 exposes you to more people who you would not have run into had you been in maybe a singular uh, a singular profession. Um, Let's exactly. talk a little bit about the people that you've met along the way. I mean, uh, you, you know, you you you've written the screenplays. You've you, you know, you've done all of the things that you've done, and and what kind of you know, I can understand the reception you got from you know that that one production team, um, mm-hmm. and and there are there are legions of stories about black creatives having their ideas stolen. By mm-hmm. by white producers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. While while you were out in L.A., give give us a little idea of what kind of you know what kind of environment was it, you know, from a racial perspective. Because I mean, we all have our 
we all have our preconceived notions, and you know, I have Would my, you, you know, my whole highfalutin. Oh, I will never go to Hollywood because that's where you go for dreams to die. And then, and people say, well, what if, what if they, uh, what if they option your books? Aren't you going to go out there? I'll visit, but I don't think I'll stay. So, how was it for you in in the time? And first of all, how many years were you out there? Um, I was out there till end of '84, all the way to uh, into the late uh, early '90s, and then mm-hmm. I left for eight years and lived in Europe, and then came back from 2001 all the way to 2012. I lived. Let's talk about the the latter part, the 2001 okay. to 2012, because that's kind of like recent history, and okay. and 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 it's it's close enough that there's probably a lot of relevance still there. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, um, again, we've got to get the money and so on and so forth. So I learned how to throw social events in Europe, um, okay. being able to entertain people for a 48-hour period in Ibiza, Spain, for example, in mm-hmm. uh, Oslo, Norway, and Liège, Ghent, Antwerp, and, and all the way to the south of France and, and Nice and in Paris, and also London. I mean, mm-hmm. needed, I needed to create a social environment, a social environment where I'm the, I am, I am the, the, the San Diego Comic Con. You're not going there to see a thousand comics. You're going there to see one comic, power, to, to, to be under, under the uh, under the under the umbrella of one comic. But there are other comic books out there that are are, are available too. You know what I'm saying? It's like sure. when you go to San Diego Comic Con, there are thousands of comic books that you can see, but you're there to only see one. That's how my event was pushed. Okay. So. I was able to get artists who were painters, who were fashion designers, uh, sculptors, jewelry makers, even some furniture makers, to, to go ahead and push their to 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 sell their stuff at my event. Now I know that sounds kind of crazy, but what I wanted it to be was like, for example, it's pulp events based off of a, a graphic novel called Perfect Gray. Nethrum is based off of my my graphic novel called The Perfect Gray. And I wanted it to be like, you know, when you go to uh, you go to Disneyland. You go to Disneyland and you go to Pirates of the Caribbean. You know how they have those little shops where you can get the, like, you get the pirate hat, the pirate sword, the pirate coin, the, 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 the balloon, and all that other craziness? Sure. Well, I wanted my event to be the same place. Like, you come in, all my, char- my characters in my graphic novel meet every 100 years. No, every 50, I'm sorry, every 50 years. And in every 50 years that they get together, they talk about what they've seen in the world and exchange information and so on and so forth. But outside of that meeting are a lot of vendors that they know. For example, relatives of Leonardo, great-great-great-great-grandchildren of Leonardo da Vinci, great-great-great-great-great-children uh, of, of Picasso and so on and so forth. These people come and they sell their wares. So it's like you're going into a whole other universe to see these wonderful wares, but there's this mystique, you know, you, you, you go into like a, like in the desert, there's like this great big tent, and in this tent there's all kinds of craziness going on, you know, there's performance art, there's so into this, and there's this jewelry that was made over here as one of a kind, and so on and so forth, but the center stage is my graphic novel, Nethram, and that was what I was pitching the whole time. I had learned how to do that in Europe, so when I got back to Los Angeles, bam, that was the first thing I started doing to raise and bring generation, generate funds to do what I need to do for my events and hopefully make a movie. Okay. And that was it. <laughs> That's what I did. But, I didn't yeah. I didn't have to push the film anymore. I didn't have to push the film anymore because I had known I know what I was going to get. And right. without bringing up another long drawn out story where James Cameron is involved, 
that I was basically told this, my work is so good that you need to do it yourself, or in, sen- or in a sense, pull a Stallone. Like Sylvester Stallone, when he did Rocky, he made that movie himself. You know, he directed it and financed it himself. That's how it was. That that's what was going on. And mm-hmm. the people who I had talked to, who were tight with Lightstorm Entertainment, which is James Cameron's company, read my work. They loved it, but they would not do it, and they would not do it because it wasn't loosely based. What that means is they can't take it. They needed something. <laughs> they needed something. Needed something that was well constructed, but that they can say, okay, here's eight thousand dollars, kid. Now give me that. Now get out of here. You know, that wasn't going to happen, (laughs) you know. So I needed to generate the finances for myself in order to make this movie. So instead of generating finances to do an entire movie, I generated the finances to only do movie trailers. So when you go into my event, you see the trailer, you see the this, you see the that, you see the comic books, you see this, and just little short things. We're not pushing the big book yet. We're just saying that this is what's out here right now. But just Mm -hmm. have a good time and, and just see what's going on. That's what I did. And you're exposing you're exposing people to your ideas in a way mm-hmm. that is it's quick, it's easily digestible, and <clears throat> and and hopefully if you've done it well, you you leave them with an impression that's lasting. Exactly. I just want to give a a, a, a quick example in in, in uh, Stuttgart, Germany, where I was throwing my events right there. I I didn't bring in outside people to sponsor my event. These were local mm-hmm. people. So the local the local the local DJs, local painters, local uh lo- local uh designers. They came their families came out and their people came out to see them. So again, it's a Netherm event, but they're coming out to see the locals. So when I went to Spain, mm-hmm. I only hired the locals so that the local people can get, you know, to get involved. Now, I don't I don't uh 21 and over are always welcome at my events, but my events are specifically catered to 35 and up. Okay. So that brings a whole nother type of finance, that brings a whole nother type of vibe that changes the whole whole event. And that was basically testing out I already field tested it in, in uh Europe and now it was to really test it in Los Angeles. Now that I know what's mm-hmm. going on, it was time to move to Florida. Things have changed in Los Angeles and it costs a lot more for my European clientele to go all the way come from London, for example, instead of stopping in Florida, they gotta go all the way across the mountains to LA. And then once right. they do my party, they have such a good time, they're like, Okay, what are we gonna do now? Well there's nothing to do in LA. <laughs> you know, you gotta know somebody to know somebody just to go ahead and club. <laughs> you know, that's not gonna happen. So Florida is the best choice. New York mm-hmm. is the best choice because people want to see that. That's okay. You can get into just about <clears throat> anything in both you, states. You make it, you make it sound so completely incestuous and narcissistic out in L.A. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not, no. I mean, it's uh, not really. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not. It's not necessarily incestuous. It's it like you said. If you. It's it's made to break your dreams, but if you go there, you have to know your niche. You can't just go there with a you know stepping off the bus with your little suitcase and go. Okay, now I'm going to be a star. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. You have to know what you had to have known what your niche was long before you got there. So, if, are you going to be a drama actor and you're trying to compete with everybody who's trying to look like Brad Pitt? Are right. you going into this game trying to be just to try to look like this person and pull this type of acting skills? No. You have to know your niche. If you're going to go into the niche of sci-fi, then this is what you need to do. If you're going to go into the niche of this, or westerns, or whatever you're going to do, then you need to know your niche. You can't just go in there and say, okay, well, I'm going to be wild and outrageous and pull a Kim Kardashian and get a sex tape, and next thing you know, 
you're super rich. You all know what happened to Lawrence Fishburne's daughter when she tried that, right? That didn't go down well, so well. I was just <laughs> you know? about to say, you know, you, you, can only, you can only get away with that sort of thing if you're rich and white. And yeah, I don't care what anybody uh, wants uh, to say. But, true, so, but uh, it only happened once. So we can't, we can't expose ourselves like that. We can well, do we other got, kind we of got craziness, Paris Hilton, you know? We got Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian. Yeah, well, and that's about it. And those are the only people that are going to do that once and uh, anyway, let's do something else. To have powerful yeah. lead black characters in sci-fi where the character actually matters. You know, mm-hmm. I was able to, I came very close to meeting, um, uh, oh my goodness, what's my woman's name? Um, uh, uh, Octavia Butler. She lived in Pasadena. I mm-hmm. was in Pasadena at that time. That woman was very, mm-hmm. very recluse, and she could, you could not get to her place whatsoever. These are mm-hmm. black people that are seriously, I mean, they're, I mean, science fiction is a lonely world, and to get other black artists to go ahead and say, okay, I want you to be the strong lead role, and this is what you're going to fight, or this is what you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it has to be acceptable and believable. Not get there 10 minutes and go, oh, man, oh, that can never happen. Oh, I'm out of here. No, you got to believe it. I mean, come on. You don't think you don't think a, a character could have played Sigourney Weaver's role in Alien? I know. I know she's. I know she's the, you know, the queen of sci-fi and all. But dude, you don't think in, when Dave Cameron did Alien, you don't think there's another black character that could have played that role? Look at look at Predator. After Danny Glover did it, they did another one, and the black woman who survived that against the Predator is black. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the character right. that is black. You know, isn't that awesome? Yeah, so can't we do something else? Let's do something else like that. Well, it it would be one thing if if we had a movie and television industry that actually really did run on talent. You know, where 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 the, you know, the the money, the the, the prestige was merit-based. But but we true. know that that's not necessarily true. So it's it is very difficult. Um I I strongly I strongly oh go ahead I'm sorry. No no I was I was agreeing with you no doubt that it, it it is it is that it is that way but things can change they have to change the Latino community alone if you look at just look at your just look at your TV stations how many TV stations are Latino owned as of this moment in time right now how many do you know that are out there I can name five off my hand yeah I was what do we say have about five we got we we just... got about yeah we got we got BET and Bounce. Isn't and that's BET pretty much by it. Some white guys. I, who who knows? At this point, I mean, you try to find out that information, but we don't really know. I mean, I'm not saying we don't really know. I haven't really looked into it, but I was for sure that this was the place to go. I mean, so basically, what? So we only have one. We have one TV station that's bounced. You can't show. Well, you can only show Tyler Perry in the and the rerun so many times. I mean, why not? Why are we not doing something like Game of Thrones? Because nobody right. writes it. That's not true. You're not looking. There's no outlet for these people to go. They're thinking, oh yeah, the black men. We got to get the hookup. We, we, yeah, we, yeah, we want the hookup. But come on, dude. We're we're really good. And the and a lot of the black the black men and the black women who are doing don't know how to market their work. They've only been in the game since the '90s. They don't understand what the true blockbuster of science fiction. What was science fiction long before you started? Long before Star Wars. Who came up what? Who did this? Who did this? I mean, you know, you can't just mm-hmm. show up in there and go, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. You either want it or you don't. That's not how it works. You have to prove that it makes money. Now, how do you do that? Well, you work with me, and I'll show you how to get that done. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm hovering around that for my work. 
You know, I'm, sure. I'm, I understand. I'm, I'm not, I'm not done with, you know, once, once I have a completed trilogy, then the people who have expressed interest, and that's Warner Brothers, uh, HarperCollins, Tor, and Penguin. You know, they, then, then they, yeah, they, well, they looked at the first volume in the trilogy, and it's an intriguing story because no one's ever done it before. You know, blacks right. uh, living in secret on the moon since before right. you know, Armstrong got there. But right. they're all sitting around wondering, well, is this crazy Japanese girl going to have these black folks come to the moon <laughs> and kill all the white people in America? And and if that happened, they would go, hey, that's a bad investment. You know, because because there there are things that can get done and things that absolutely cannot get done. So you Which know, when true, the third they don't, one comes they don't, out, they don't understand it. They just don't understand it. As complicated and not as a high, but not complicated as high as the concept as your book is. I mean, to me, you're basically saying well, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna do roots in space, and they're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would anybody want to leave? Well, you haven't read the story. You don't understand. Oh, man. If a white guy, if a white guy did that and said, okay, well, this is a story about all kinds of white people who left and went to the dark side of the moon. And it is. It's called Iron Sky. It's <laughs> where the, the Germans did the same thing. You know, but right. this is black people, this is different, completely different. Now you want to see how that works and what, what went on with that. Now, you, either it's going to terrify some people or maybe the people that – that have the money said, look, William, we love your work. It's really good. So how about this? We're going to take this and we're going to break it down in a miniseries and we're going to show it on a BET or Bounce as a TV series. So, you know, sci-fi debut, William Hayashi comes out with this story. So now when you're turning on BET, you're not just getting, you know, the same TV shows you're getting. You're now seeing a science fiction and not Blade, not a, re- a repeat of something that you've already seen in the theater or can get DVD or you probably own it but a nice little show where you can see science fiction work. And not sci-fi channel, but black channels where you can actually see black people doing sci-fi stuff, sci-fi work, sci-fi adventures. You know what I'm saying? You can, yeah. That can happen. You know, oh, no, why do you I, need to go to Warner I, Brothers? No, no, no. They actually came to me. So I, I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't take any credit for that other than I wrote a book. But okay, one well, of the I'm, things I'm, that... I'm I understand. No, no, no. Yeah, but one of the things that I, that that I think is starting to become an equalizer is mm-hmm. is the power of the internet. Because I agree. Uh, two two things about that. First of all, once you're on the internet, you're ubiquitous. Okay, True. you know if if you and I put together um, this great little show and we filmed it in Florida and we got our special effects done, blah 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 blah. You know, twenty years ago we would have to go all over the country to all kinds of um, film festivals to, to show our movie to get people to, to, to expose the movie. Nowadays, if you can hook up a good audience response to something that you do when you put it on the Internet, it, it makes it far more accessible for a creator. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. However, I totally believe that Sitting, even though the internet is powerful as it is, there's something there's something about getting the proper audience that is going to view it because everything's all over YouTube. Everything is over. Like for example, if Jarvis were to have let's just say all video only, there's just one thing you could only see it and go from there. Well, yeah, that's going to work. People are going to be drawn to that. It's got right. to get. It's got to have some hook. There's got to be some gimmick or something. So yeah, and this guy gets his head chopped off and his arm. Oh my God, let's go ahead and see that. 
Yeah, it's wonderful, but everybody's going to see it. When you attach a famous name to it, then, yeah, that's going to get seen. But there are a lot of people who are doing this wonderful work that don't have famous people, so we have to, like, flood the market, literally right. flood the market of, of what this is. And this wonderful, this wonderful show and the website is the only place I know in existence. Jarvis has mentioned numerous times how black people have started black websites, sci-fi websites. They don't even exist and haven't existed for years, man. Right. You know, this is stuff that no, we need to leave behind for our children after we're long gone, dead and gone. Right. No, it is true. And and building a legacy is tough on two fronts. First of all, you have to make sure that your legacy has merit. You know, true. because there's a whole lot of people out there who have, I mean, okay, how many kids 50 years from now are going to be wearing alarm clocks because they love Flavor Flav? Well, that's... <laughs> I know. I said well, it. Well, at least they know what time it is. They know what time it is. Somebody has, oh, you're assuming that they will set the clock properly. But but you know what I'm saying. When <laughs> when you talk about a legacy, you want you want to have a legacy of quality. You want to have a legacy that matters, and that's tough. Huh? And then and then the the second half that everybody struggles with is because of the ubiquity of the internet and because of the amount of content on it. It's tough to rise above the background noise and and maybe get some recognition that you deserve because marketing is difficult. You know, that everybody I is understand. in. Yeah, go ahead. I truly understand that, but I choose I I choose to reach beyond that and beyond that and not let these little things stop me in any way, shape, or form. Oh no no no! Come, I, you know, you, I mean, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I'm no, it's saying. not it's not worth it's, stop it's, it's it. Absolutely. It's not a it's not a, a deal breaker. It's not something that where I mean anybody who has something to offer has to, has to have enough belief in their self that they keep going, even if they don't get that initial. Even like I said, you know, even if Oprah doesn't put you on her show, or yeah. Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> or anybody else, you know, anybody else who has who is a pop culture icon, you know, my I, oh, you know my dream is yeah I'd love to be on the Daily Show. And be on Letterman. Well, Letterman's leaving. But but the yeah. Daily Show. I mean, be look what the Daily Carson. Show. Yeah. yeah, look what the Daily Show did for Neil deGrasse Tyson. You will, who yeah, knew, and I've been in touch. Who yeah. knew Neil deGrasse Tyson before he, before John Stewart brought him on and then passed him over to uh, what's the name? Stephen Colbert. You know, people well, knew true. people knew him. People knew him. At, you know, academically. If you knew him, I was in touch with that. I was in touch with that guy in 2002 for a long time. Just me and him just having banter back across by email about uh, me me, uh, discounting wormholes and so on and so forth, and asking about uh, space travel just to go ahead and help me with some of the scripts that I was working for. That guy is awesome. But yeah, you're totally right. But look what he. But he's now he's now holding Carl Sagan's spot. Nobody's going to take well, that from and, him, dude. He, he's yeah. too, he knows it. But he's smart and he's entertaining. You know, he has made yes. science accessible to a generation that almost lost science. Because, you know, true, they, they he, cut, they've cut... Go ahead, I'm sorry. That is totally true, but he's the only black man out there doing it today. And as far as That's I know, true. has been doing it for a long period of time. So as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned, the game is afoot. Black people, get out there. Let's do it. Let's, we're not sitting there hanging around waiting for nothing. Let's get out there and do it by any means necessary. we got to get this spot. I'm not going to be 
in my 80s looking back going, well, I remember that time when I was on talking to William. I said, yeah, we had some great times back then. No, that's not going to happen, <laughs> but, man. <laughs> no, it's, we got to do this now, like now, now, well, now. We, you know, there are people who uh, have the money to make this happen. Right. And, but we, we also had J.C. Holbrook on this show, and she's getting more mm-hmm. play. She's, she's done a lot of films. She's doing her books. Um, you know, an American now living in South Africa. Um, but, yes, but I remember right, her. There story. are too, yes, there are an, too uh, few uh, of us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, she's the, uh, the, 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 the scientist woman from there and her husband and right. whatnot. Yeah, the I remember her. Yeah, yeah, her, yeah, the astronomer, excuse me. And, yeah, she's going back and forth, and she's doing what she's doing. And, and the, 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 the classes that she's offering out there to the Africans that are out there, dude, they don't have that out here, not even remotely have that out here. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. this just mm-hmm. – look, I mean, yeah, we have, inter- we have our studios, and you can go on the computer and do this, but you don't have somebody saying, hey, like I had, like I have with my grandmother to say, hey – Let's go look at the. Let's go look at space. Let's go look at the stars. Let's go to the observatory. I spent my years at Gates Planetarium, and the Denver Museum of you know Natural History for like forever. <laughs> it was free, so every Saturday for like three summers, I would spend eight hours going through there. They knew me. I was going to be a creator. I my grandmother mm-hmm. was pushing me. <laughs> far beyond the, the 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 capabilities that I wanted to but I wanted to do something in in that in that in that genre you know right just push and push and push but you know hey you got to have somebody start up somewhere and I I think he's awesome yeah now I, I, while you're out in LA and as you were as you were building your skill sets and and excuse me for saying so but it is true as you were growing up um and mm-hmm. and growing up can can hopefully your growing up continues you know through all of your life but but yes, who sir. are some of the influences for you? You know, when you're looking around, you know, during all of this time doing all of these different things, um, did you see people out there who who you admired, who who brought something to the table that that excited you? Um, I can I I, I man, that's a that's a loaded question. I'm going to go ahead and and say again, um. For for that immediate purpose in time, I'm going to have to say Don Cheadle because, like I said, Don Cheadle went to the same high school I did and graduated in '82. I graduated in '83. Not to sound uh-huh. like a stalker, but when I was when I was a nerd in high school, I was watching this black man act in the you know in the you know up in the balcony all by myself, watching this guy act sure. so I can see what a true actor does. I was able to follow him in Hollywood for a while to hopefully try to you know you know that guy that guy was my inspiration. But mm-hmm. if I were to really go back and say what my true aspirations was, I'm going to have to say Grace Jones, Jimmy okay. Hendrix. Uh-huh. I'll go as, and then I'll go as far as saying Quincy Jones, Russell Simmons, and then uh <laughs> down to Stanley Kubrick. I mean, those that was it. I wanted to be different. I wanted to 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 shine. I wanted to be be a light. I didn't try to look for the light. I was my own light in hopes that other people would find that light within themselves. Mhm. Mhm. And and nowadays when you look around, you know, let's talk about the film industry first and then let's talk about the, the music industry. Um what are you what are you seeing that you admire in the film industry now, if anything? The, the special effects. Okay. <laughs> the story the stories are done. I mean, think of it. What is it into the woods? How many times are you going to tell the same story of Little Red Riding Hood? Oh, that's right. It's Johnny Depp with the zoot suit. Gotcha. I gotcha. That's done, son. 
is done. If the stories are done, they're, re- they're replaying and remaking everything that's already been done. So as far as what I appreciate it, good music coming out as far as soundtracks are concerned and great special effects because the computer programs have just got awesome. That's it. <laughs> Nothing more. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a soundtrack junkie. You know, I like soundtracks a lot. Are you, John, I, are you saying I you're a John Williams fan? Um, I like John Williams, but I will tell you what I think is the best soundtrack that has ever been produced, and, and that was the, the one from Shaft, Isaac Hayes. Well, you know, Isaac Hayes, yeah, you know, you hey, 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 you know, hey, you, you sure can. <laughs> that, you know, hey, and Curtis Mayfield and Superfly, hey, you can keep going and the book gets longer. You know, <laughs> I got to, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. And 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 so, you know, you you want to hope that you can work with that level of creativity, you know that. I agree. And, and obviously, you know, Isaac Hayes is gone, Curtis Mayfield's gone, but of course, but being but being able to work with that that caliber of talent, um, in a way that that brings it all forward. I mean, we have we have so many people out there, so many black composers, who who don't get that opportunity. You know, yeah, I like John Williams. I like James Newton Howard. I mean, there are a lot of different people who I think. I think James Newton Howard's uh, uh, soundtrack for what was that movie? Grand Canyon. With oh, Danny right, Glover. right, right. Danny Glover, right. You know, th- that was you know that and the helicopter. You know, there are a lot of really effective things that are being done, but we don't get to see our people do them because I just don't think they're offered the opportunity. Um, there, I, 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 I simply can't believe that there is there's not fifty more Isaac Hayes Hayes out there. Okay, you know, I can't believe you know, that they aren't there. We we, sorry, we go got ahead. we got we got Jill we got Jill Scott. We have the roots, and there's some beautiful musicians out there. I mean, let's talk about Most Deaf and on the work that he's doing. We got some beautiful musicians out there who are doing some wonderful work. But you know. At the some at some point in time, it's not it can't be this it, it can't it, it the music has got to go with with the, with the with not with the times. It's like if you're going to have an exciting movie, um, uh, an action movie with a black superhero in it, you don't need to have the you know the Wu Tang Clan do a rap beat. You can have Jill Scott. You can have Steph. <laughs> you can have some of the black artists who don't rap but who know how to write musical scores do this. You know and get up there. Look at the Oscars as it stands right now. How many black people since the creation of, of cinema, how many of those spots do we got? What, like very 20? Few. <laughs> very, that, very, very few. Absolutely. Dude, I want that spot, man. I want, I want those spots. I'm not stopping. I am not going to stop. I want those spots. I'm not going to be sitting here talking about, oh, yeah, well, I could have got this. Well, if, no, 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 no. Even if I don't get recognized by the Academy, at least I'll be recognized by my people. I had an idea right. that I was. I mean, look at look at Hollywood. You know the Hollywood Walk of Fame, yada yada yada. Yeah. Are you familiar yeah, yeah. with the Watts? Are you familiar with the Watts Tower and Watts? No, I'm not. You know, I and, okay. and I, the shame of it is, I and I'll just I'll just confess this. I've actually never been to L.A. Um, That's cool. I've been to <laughs> I've been fun. all up and down the coast. You know, the whole Japanese half of my family is around. You know, the Bay Area, <laughs> San <Bristol>? Francisco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I, it's, I don't think I don't think you could stand in San Francisco and throw a rock and not hit a Hayashi someplace. Not that I'm related I, I, to all of them, but dude, it's like the Johnson of Japan. You know, I totally feel you. I totally understand you. I totally understand you. Right. For me, it, for me, it ha, it has always been 
that we, we're going to somehow have to make our own opportunities for this by any means necessary. As much as yeah, we're pushing it, it, you're to right. into this, it, it just has to be done. They're the you're people, absolutely I mean, right. You can't be sitting there having rappers buy. I mean, yeah, they want to have the Bugattis and they want to have this. But at some point in time, somebody out there has got to say, okay, I'm going to make the stand and say, this is how we're going to do it. I've been having the plan for a long time and just sending out information and it, this and here and here in New York and so on and so forth. I mean, we 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 have to push harder. I mean, I'm not saying to stress ourselves out over it, but there's a way. There is a way, and a way will be made. We've gotten this far in life. I'm not saying that it's far, but but we've gotten far enough. And like I was saying, well, well, there's the there's glory, movement. There is which movement. Is true. You know, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. With the glory of uh, of uh, what you have with the internet, go to the watch. Go check on. Um, Earthlink or whatever the hoo-ha, not Earthlink, you know Google Google Earth or whatever, and go to Watts Tower. If you look at the Watts Tower, it's not only an icon for LA, but I was thinking, I mean, I wanted to do is have a, a, the Black Hollywood Walk of Fame. All those okay. black people that have died and been gone, who do not have stars, who will not have stars, we need to have our own stars, starting from no, the Hollywood right. Walk, star, and just and just black stars, and just and watch everybody get upset. Well, how can they have? They already got one over here. Why are they get to have two? I want two. You know what I'm saying? But there's not very many black people on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know this. So why not well, start I, our own Hollywood <laughs> Walk of Fame? You know, where black well, there, people that have died law. and gone who get represented. No, they passed a law in 1964 that if we do have a black Hollywood Walk of Fame, it has to be on a street named uh, Martin Luther King Drive. Um, so that's so. Sp- <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you. I'll be here every Friday. Right. Don't forget to tip your weight, people. But but no, you're right because right. because the, and but the, you know what the you know what I believe is the only thing yes, that sir. stands between us and a black. A, a black Hollywood analog in this country is our inability to merge and cooperate with each other. And people will that, give small examples of that. But Yes, I totally but, agree. I totally agree. You know, my manager, Jackie Smoot, is pushing to have to create that merger as we venture with my friends in New York to really try to bring back the renaissance of old Harlem. And bring the sci-fi, the sci-fi thing into Harlem, and really knock it out, and you know, get that, mm-hmm. get that vibe back. I mean, that's that's where it started. And yeah, Jackie, Jackie Smoot has been been my my complete advocator. I mean, she's a Purdue graduate. She's with Zora Neale Hurston, and she's she's aware of black authors for years, W. E. B. Du Bois, and more. And she knows that this can happen. You know, so <laughs> you know that merger, like you said, it does need to happen. It really does need to happen. Yeah, I think two things stand in the way. You know, one one of them is that um, uh, I think black culture has been conditioned ever since we were brought here to have us compete with each other and to treat, and I've said this before, and I, I apologize for those, for those people who think I'm a broken record, but we have been taught to treat um, black culture as a zero-sum game. So let's say you have a bunch of novels out and I have a bunch of novels out, you know, uh, there, there's the there's the expectation, there's the conditioning, there's the there's the subliminal, whatever you want to call it, the subliminal op- opposite of seduction, where if you true. sell a novel, then I have to automatically believe with all my heart that you just took money out of my pocket. And yes, see, that's I totally a, agree. that's a that that's a very very tough threshold. That's a very tough um, indoctrination to break. But somehow totally we've got true. to do that. Yeah, which is true. Yeah. 
which is totally true. I to- I totally believe that. But like I like uh like uh, uh Spike Lee did in Do the Right Thing, not Do the Right Thing, School Days. You know, when they were talking about right. black and black and white hair, they were. I mean, they were really airing out our dirty laundry as uh, uh, racial a racial caste system within the black community, light skin versus dark skin, and so on and so forth. So basically, that or, just or supports the, what you're saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're once you're when you're when you're over the 300 years that we were slaves and pushed into compete and not trust. The, you know, the house nigga versus the field nigga. Not to get graphic, but I'm just saying that those things. No, have but to that's stop exactly in what I'm saying. 2016, you know, in 2015, we have to, we have to come to some 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 type of truth that yes, that is what happened, but now we are doing something different, and there are, there are, there are children and boys and girls and whatnot with their hair, and they're trying to you know how do we fit in and yada yada yada. But like you had mentioned on one of your shows before, these children will never know a decade or a time when there was not a black president, you know. They, right. They, my, I'm so glad my grandmother was alive to see that. And, you know, she's like, see, like my grandmother told me when Obama won, she's like, you see, I told you you can be anything. I told you. I'm like, oh, no, Granny, you were right. You were right. Like, you know you can be president. Because I was sitting there going, black president, girl, you don't even know what you're talking about. I can't be no black president. Ain't white man going to leave me. And she's like, see, I told you you could be anything you want. And she's crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. I told you you could be everything you want. Anything you want, right. and I didn't. And I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't believe her until it happened. And and thank God that there's children out there that now won't know that. So we've got to change those things and get that merger started. One of the, you and know, I, I mentioned Kevin Wilmont's movie, you know, um, mm-hmm. Destination Planet Negro, and one of mm-hmm. the, the the premise of it, for those who don't know, is um, uh, black uh, scientists get together. I, I believe it's in the 1930s. And they decide that the only place that black folks can go to get to get away from white influence and to live their lives without without you know the kinds of things that they have to put up with back then was that they were going to have to take all the black folks and go to Mars. So they collected all the money from all the black folks they could. They built a spaceship and they sent I think it was four people up to Mars. And what happened was right. the spaceship gets caught in a uh, some sort of a time warp. And they ended up in 2010, and so they, they land their spaceship, and they think they're on. They, you know, they know that they've come into the future, and so they walk into this place. I believe it was a uh, barber shop, and so there's a picture of Barack <laughs> Obama on the wall, and 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 the guys from 1930s go, well, well, who's that? And they go, well, that's the president. The president right. of what? You know, right? And, and right. so as right. much as, right. but the coolest dichotomy in the movie was. As much as things have changed, and we know good and goddamn well, excuse me for saying so, don't worry, saying don't it worry. that way. But but the thing is, we are in no way in a post-racial United States of America. I, I mean, understand. you know, the, the the fact of the matter, uh, Angela Davis just penned a um, an essay, and I saw it in the Guardian, which is you know a London publication. Yes. But it, yes. it she she basically ran it down. She said for over 400 years, um, black men's or black males' civil rights have been violated all the way to the the extent of being killed by white men for, for True. ever since we got here, and that very little has changed. And and so when when you look at what you think things you know where you think things have changed, in in a lot of ways they're they're not so different. And and we have a right to call the culture on the carpet for that but it makes things uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the reasons why Selma was snubbed by the Academy. 
you know, and, 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 and white folks, you know, they're, they're like, would you just shut up about race? Not everything is about race. And it's like, no, mother. I mean, it's like, no, you're, you're wrong. You know, you're wrong. Everything is about race because everything in our culture is about who gets and who doesn't get. Okay. Right now, as you and I sit here, the vast majority of white people in this country, well, no, let's say half of the white people in this country believe that the only people on welfare are Mexicans and black folks. Okay. I, I, I truly, I, I truly, they, truly they believe that. that. They believe that to, in, in their heart of hearts that that's the way it is. And the majority of people in this country are, on welfare are white folks. Okay? True. The majority. And, and so you have, you have a, an, an entire culture where the their their uh, marketed status quo is the denaturing and destruction of non-whites. And now they're getting even more desperate because they know that in 2040, white folks are going to become a minority in this country. So, That's you know, a, yeah. okay. so, and, and so you look at a, a snub of Selma, and you can make all the excuses you can, but if you look at it in the broader context, Selma had triumphant black folks. There was no slaves in it. These were black people who overcame a system or at least started making the culture look at, look at itself differently, essentially through nonviolence. And, Which is and totally what, true. Yeah, and what do we get for it? Right now, any cop in America can kill any black man they want with impunity. And you know how they get away with it? The, with these words. All they have to say is, I, I feared for my life. Okay, first of all, I want to ask, when did white folks become such pussies? And second of all, what is it about our culture that fostered that fear? How did the, the scary, life-threatening, I-will-kill-you black person become the narrative for an entire culture? It's well, so sad. you know what? I I I I under, I, under, I totally understand your question, my man, and that's why it got me into archaeology and becoming an, an amateur archaeologist. Is in order to put myself in in where I where I stand in the world, I had to research my me and my grandmother researched our whole family, and then sure. by living in Europe for as long as I had to do, I I mean the black people that I met there said that no matter where you are, just because just because you were a descendant of slaves, your face marks where you've come from in this country. So I was able right. to hang out with men from black men from Ghana. Come to find out that I'm actually from Senegal. <laughs> you oh, know? Okay. Cool. Like, wow. very cool. You know, so I'm like, okay, that's fine. And they said, and the reason why you're from Senegal is because of blah 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 blah, and because of blah 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 blah. And then when I hung out in Norway, I hung out with people who are very very awesome. I mean, they, the only black people they see are what's on MTV. If they get that. These but these people were the, 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 the Norwegians were so impressed by what I knew about Viking culture that they ended up telling me that you know that we came down to Africa at one time we did this we did this we had no problem with white people never have this is what's going right. on but you know you see what's going on they say well Columbus settled this first only to find out that the Vikings were there a long time before you got there you, sure. you know that you know that's 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 history we we can't get 
we, we have to get over that. We know that's the truth, and I think as being sci-fi creatives as we are, we need to inspire the rest of the adults that are here, that are now living, and hopefully we can inspire them to be better, think better, and do better. Be, do, have, so to speak. You know, you be good, do good, and you have good. And know it's hard. I know it's so hard out there for my people. I can't, I can't, you know, it's, and it's hard, but you know what? We have to, we have to stick with our convictions, our, our convictions of, you know, doing the best that we can. And I'm not saying that we need to, you know, acquiesce to, to whatever, but we need to push harder to inspire and uplift. And those with the means of can have to help those who can't. In other words, it's not that old school saying, I got mine, now you get yours, you know? Right, right. <laughs> you know? And, and, and the other part of that, the, the part B about that is, if we are to tell our story, um, because there's so much pushback right now, um, science fiction gives us an outlet where we can we can tell our story in a different context, and the story is still I agree. told. I agree. Um, and and it's it's tough, you know. We've I've, I've gone at nauseum about how how tough it is to, you know, get certain. Um, Certain movies made, you know, certain books yes, published, things like that, because yes, no, because of yeah. the black content. But mm-hmm. but I, I I have to say that I admire Isaac Asimov for this one quote, and it's and it it largely is the reason why I I write. And and so what Isaac Asimov said was, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence, has become crucial to our salvation if we are to be saved at all. And, okay. and I truly believe that if we are going to tell our story, you know, okay, I told, I told a story where, where we did something that we can do. We did it differently, and, and it, it paints us in a completely different light than what we're being used to, you know. And, right. and so... And and I believe that that is where science fiction has a huge amount of cultural value. Okay, um, I, you 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 go to these red states, and what they're doing is re- they're rewriting the curriculum to take slavery out of American history. Okay, they're taking slavery out of there, and then the first thing you talk about is, uh, oh well, the abuses of slavery, and then the first thing out of some white person's mouth, um, who's still pissed off that they lost uh, the South, lost, they go, well, you know, over in Africa, you had black folks selling black folks to us too, and it's like, okay, which is totally true, yeah, it it is absolutely war, it's it's war, but what war is, I understand, and it it was capitalism, okay, so what is what is really the root? of much of the evil in this world. And the root of much of the evil in this world is wealth building, okay? Excessive wealth building. And I I truly believe that. So I took, I I postulated a community, a black community, where wealth was non-existent, where wealth had no value. And then, okay, then you have to deal with people not because of the the color of their skin, not because of the big, how big their bank account is, but you truly have to deal with people on the basis of the, the content of their character. I agree. And I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's one of the reasons why one of one, uh, my scripts uh, have a very wide cast, because I want to write science fiction for every color so that every child can you know, fit in where they get in, so to speak. And every, you know, right. or, or, you know everybody understands. I mean, it, I mean maybe... 
I'm looking through the world through rose-colored glasses. But you know, when I was younger, I told I I was told when when you know when children want to you know play uh they they play uh how, how can I put it they they play superhero you know right uh, right the, yeah. the game everybody you know you I, there was a six million dollar man bionic woman Bruce Lee and then you had Spider Man you had Batman nobody really wanted to be Robin. And mm-hmm. I was up for Superman, and I was down mm-hmm. for Superman. And the little white girls always playing like, yeah, he should be Superman. Yeah, he should be Superman. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be Superman. And this kid says, he can't be Superman. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, why not? Because Superman ain't black. And I'm like, you know how Daffy Duck, why you, <laughs> you're despicable. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I wanted to thrash, but, they, but he I made know, a point. I know, man. The, you know, the child and, made a and, point. There's no point. There's no point in trying to uh, what force it. He's right. He's absolutely right. So, with that being said, I'm gonna do something else, and therefore there is no excuse. Okay, yeah, I can't be Superman. Okay, that's fine. But you know what? I'm gonna be something else, and I'll be better. You know, and I'll do it harder, and I'll work harder at it. You know, right. And 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 the cool thing is, is our imagination is just as vivid as anybody else's. And of even course. if we have only white examples in front of us, we still we still have the imagination necessary to to expand our own cultural horizons. And you know, I, um, I totally agree. you know, uh, I mean, we can go back to uh, oh, look, you know, the, uh, the 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 brouhaha about who originally wrote the Matrix. You know? Oh, you know that story too, huh? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god! Here's what's surprising to me. I'm surprised <laughs> your stuff didn't get stolen too. No, but, well, you know what? Let me tell you, Mr. Hayashi. I'm going to tell you this is how this works. How I I figured out how to get around that. Now okay. you see, in order to get around so my study, my work is is so precise. Again, like I said, uh, Cameron, for example, when James Cameron, his reader read my work and that got given back to me. And yes, they loved it. But he, again, wanted something more loosely based. My right. scripts were written as such that you cannot add or subtract anything to it and come up with the same ending. If anyone tries to take my work and steal it, I have rewritten my work so much that I could take what you've just stolen from me, change it around, and still come up with the same story. Okay. All right. I, I get you. you so, know, so you I mean, be- but, but, but you're lucky. You're lucky that they didn't try. You know what I'm saying? No, I have, no, 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 not lucky. Not lucky. They have tried. I'm not going to throw names out there because this is the Internet. So oh, the, go those ahead. people know who tried. They those people no, know who no, they go tried. Ahead. They tried Name names. Okay. Okay. Give me an excuse. You remember, Come you remember on. No, I'm just kidding. You okay, don't, you, don't, you know. Don't get your ass I won't. I won't exactly. Okay. I won't. Okay. So with that being with that being said, I wrote my work. I've I've sent my work out. That's why when people look at my work and the, the way people that have looked at my work, they go, "Oh yeah, this has got to be a white guy. We love this guy. Let's get this guy in here." And they see me like Wait a minute! This is a six foot five brother. Are you kidding me, dude? No way, man! You didn't write this. You didn't. No, right. you didn't write this. I mean, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna get it. The thing about it is, is I wrote my script so it doesn't read like a script. The average person doesn't really. Want, if I was a photographer and I show you my work, you look at it and you go, okay, and you throw your opinion. If I'm a rapper and I let you listen to my CD, you listen to it and you go, okay, then you got your opinion. Now, when you're a script writer or author. They've got to actually have the time and spend, uh, you know, the, time, the attention span to sit down and read it. 
You know, right. you have to read the work. You can't judge and go, well, I just don't read. No, I learned how to write scripts in a way that within five pages, I guarantee you money, I got you. I'll, put, I'll, give, you, I'll give you ten, but within the first five pages of my script, I guarantee I got you. and You're not going to want to put that down because sure. I figured out how to write it. It is a blueprint, but I figured out how to make that blueprint exciting without filling in all the gaps for you. Your imagination can run with you so you can like, oh, I love this story. I see how it's going out, yada, yada, yada. And that's how you got to do it. And there, there's no script writing school unless you've got the money to go to a film school. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. Right. If yeah. you don't got that, then you have to do that hardcore research and get into it. Yeah, but even if you go to school, you know, you're you're still not assured of being a great script writer. You can be oh, technically no, no, no. great, but when but when you talk about you know the brilliant ideas, um, there there is there is a, a stratospheric level that the the best creative thinkers that live on, where where you know other people just don't go can't go they can't get there and so i think uh, you know when when you find a talent like that when you find a talent like yours it, it, it's so compelling and and so easily recognizable that like you said your your ideas there's a certain precision to your ideas there's a precision to your writing that is uniquely mm-hmm. yours and so somebody mm-hmm. could take the broad strokes oh uh let's see um well, uh, instead of the Nazis on the back of the moon, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's pull uh, let's pull black folks or something, you know. And, right, and right, one right. of the things I'm gonna, I'm going to feed this line to John Stewart or whoever, you know. I want them to ask me, well, William, you're half black, you're half Japanese. What made you decide to put you know black folks, African Americans, on the backside of the moon? And <laughs> and here and here and here is my racist for America response. I'll say, well, well, John. I mean, which makes which which makes for the better story? If the guys who messed up the curve in all of your high school and college classes build a spaceship and go to the moon, or if the basketball team did it, you know? And, right. and that's 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 the essence of the idea playing against type. Um, which is totally I, true. Which is totally true. Yeah. Um, we got about we got about ten minutes to go. Let me ask you this. Okay, yes, sir. you've been around for a long time, okay? A while. A while, a while. And you've done so many different things well. Um, yes, sir. What, what do you have ahead of you? What are you looking at for maybe the next five or the next ten years for you? Um, the same thing that I have been doing, um, getting, getting, my, getting, my, getting my film done, for one. Um, right. I do have I do have a plan to go back to Europe and finish. I have uh, for my European friends, uh, Arnold Richers from Paris, who I'm sure is listening right now, or at least he will be listening. Yeah, they I, I've got I've got photography. I've got I've got a lot of stuff on my plate to get that done. I, w- I would hope to be in uh, TV at this time, if not film. I'm going to push mm-hmm, as hard as mm-hmm. I can. I don't I don't like to think that far because that gives myself expectations, which I am not going to give myself expectations. I'm going to do this one day at a time. I didn't get this old because I was rushing through things only to make mistakes and then go, well, I didn't know. No, no, there is none of that. Right, I take my right. time. No, I mean, I, my time. I mean, that's and that's, that's fair enough. I mean, that's fair enough. But but the fact of the matter is, like you said early on, you know, you're, you're, you're always going to be a continuous student, you know, learning new things. Always. And and not not just the learning of them, but the part B is the mastery of them. You know, we can yeah. all we can all read about script writing, but if you want sure. to master the art of telling a story, that's a whole different level. 
So I um, totally agree. And and so uh, it, it's it's something that I think young people might want to think about, but it's right. not it's not an easy path. You know, right. it, it right. takes some things that they they definitely don't teach in school now. You know how right. how do you how do you become a self-taught anything in today's day and age? And I I I apologize if people perceive me as shortchanging, you know, our our kids today or our younger people today, but, right. but the culture has changed. The culture has right. definitely changed. The parameters are different. The the way of getting by is different. And one of the things that disappoints me a lot is looking at people who who either believe that they're owed something or people who 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 want to do shortcuts which is um, totally true which is yeah, true and there is, you know, there, is, there is there there my, if my grandmother didn't save me teach me one thing it'd be that there are no such there are no shortcuts to greatness there are no yeah. shortcuts to fame you know that that is what it is what you what you choose to put out into the world. I know my stories are, are, are graphic and there's, you know, nudity and, and violence, but in the end, I, I, I want to bring something positive to our culture by means of this, this storytelling format, which I mm-hmm. choose mm-hmm. to master and continue to be a master of. Sure. Um, just out of curiosity, and, and it, it's, you know, it's, it's no reflection on you. A lot of people have different ways of doing things. But sure. do you do much? Do you do much outreach to younger people to help them, help them develop the the mindset that you have for going out and doing no, things? To, to, no, no, I do not. I do not. Okay. Only, um, I've been I've been taking care. I've been not taking care of, but I've been uh, dividing my time with those with those people that are homeless, those adults that are homeless, and the children. I, I I'm not saying that you know we you know a community and so on and so forth, but I don't want to give up on the adults who are who are already here, who are the parents right. and the grandparents. I don't want to give up on them because there's so many programs out there for children right now. I mean, come on, they're doing Golgurt, you know? <laughs> come on, we didn't have Golgurt. Remember the popsicle? You get the dual popsicle and you got to break it in half and split. You know, you yep. don't get the whole popsicle. you got to break right. that bad boy in half. You know what I'm saying? And you don't you, get Golgurt. And, and, you, and, <laughs> you, and, and you, you notice what they've done with those popsicles? They, have yeah. them, they come in halves now. <laughs> They don't come yeah. in the hole. They of come in the single, the single stick. Exactly. Because What's up with you know, that? I know. Totally. Um, so I just, I, 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 in the future, I will, I will for children, in the, and eventually in the in the future, I will. But for right now, my goal are for the adults to let them know that there's somebody out there that is thinking about them, and their well-being. Because if they're well, if the adults are well, they will take care of the children. Right now, you you just mentioned this. I mean, this is the first time you mentioned this. Do you you, you know describe? You know, we've got about uh, we got a little over five minutes. Um, okay. Give give us a little rundown on on what you do with the homeless. Um, I, I help uh, help feed them. There, um, I noticed that a lot of the homeless people don't have uh, people to talk to. So in Los Angeles, I made time to help the homeless, and you know, and and talk to them about their problems and, and as much as I can. And help feed them, and you know, give them a little bit of as much hope as I can. I mean, I know I'm an odd-looking brother, but just to let them know that you know they're not alone. You you know, right? Um, you you so you you feed them you a engage? kind word, a kind word, a handshake, yeah. and truly physically engage them. How's your day, sir? 
oh, really, ma'am, is there anything I can do for you? Can I get this for you? Would you like some of the, can I get you some tissue? Would you like any more to drink? Is there anything else I can do for you? You know, be, be uh, uh, a, a, a servant for those instead of expecting something back. I'm learning the long process on how to give as well mm-hmm. and, and do that with the kindness, not saying, not a doubt shalt not, but more that I don't think I will. I'm going to do the right thing because if I was in this situation, I would want this for me. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. You know, do unto others. That's, you know that. You know, yeah. do unto others. That's 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 what Granny taught me. <laughs> well, and, and, and <laughs> right. the, I I think you know one of the things you know I I look at it also as paying it forward too. <clears throat> I agree. Because if if you can get these people in in a better place, the, yes. the chances of them understanding people who are in their situation further down the road uh-huh. and maybe having them help out. Uh, would seem to be much, much, a much, much higher, you know, a, a more likely. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's great, man. I didn't know. I didn't know that about you. You know, in, in all Thank of the you. things that I read, and um, I know, try. It, Perfect. Hum- I'm still a work in progress. No. <laughs> I know. I know. It's hum- there. There's there's a certain amount of humility about looking at the world around you in that way, and and deciding that you know to take it upon yourself to do what you can to, to make exactly. the entire world better. Um, exactly. It, it's like Ozzy Osbourne said, be careful. The, uh, like Ozzy Osbourne said, be careful of the feet you step on the way up because you're going to have to meet them coming right back down. So yeah. be kind to those people that you run into because you never know who they're going to be. So I make an effort to keep that kindness, to spread the kindness, regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of what they see on the TV, regardless of what the cops are doing. I'm going to do my part and be a strong black man and 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 pass on love and kindness as much as I can. Mhm. Man, I I've had a great time with you. Did it seem like two hours to you? Not at all, sir. Okay, <laughs> not good. at all. All right, good. <laughs> well, you know, everybody always worries about that. Um, and you know, the the other thing is, I I listen to other radio shows, other internet shows, other other interview shows, and I've done a couple of interviews on the radio. Uh, not on television because, of course, I have the looks for radio. Um, but you know, you get <laughs> six, you get six, eight minutes to try to tell people, you know, to try to compel people to understand who you are. And I just don't think that Definitely. that's that's enough time. Um, so I want I want to thank you for being here. And if you'll hang on after the the recording is over, we can have a little chat. Bring in Jarvis. As a matter of fact, Jarvis should be un uncooking his mic right now, and. And, and and again, I mean, this was great. Um, you know, when when we first uh, started talking almost a year ago, did you think that this was going to happen the way it did? Never in a million years. Not in a million years. That's why I'm so blessed and so happy to be there. I've been wanting to talk about science fiction to black people since I was 14, and you can't do that, man. This, <laughs> you can never do that. I got to be an old man now. I get to get it out. I'll tell you what I'm doing. Let me tell you something. You Do you know? <laughs> you know just go yeah, crazy. Well, but, but yeah, I, I'll tell you something, but first, get the hell off my lawn. Will do. <laughs> uh, we'll anyway, do. <laughs> um, okay, so hang on. Thanks again. Uh, Jarvis, uh, what, you, what, you got, what you got for us tonight? Oh, man, I'm going to just keep it short short and sweet. I am so, uh, you know, I'm always thankful (laughs) for everybody that participates on the show, that takes the time to um, come share what they're doing and and for weaving for you, uh, making the show always so entertaining and and 
and and really breathing life into the show. Um, it couldn't be what it is without William or the guests or the people that come in here and listen to this every week. Word. Yeah, Word. and Amen. I, I'm just Amen. glad. To, I'm, I'm 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 touched that we're able to touch and meet and get to know other people just like us that think like us that believe that we need to spread this thing, um, this black science fiction thing, and share what's already out there and keep building. Right. Because, you ain't alone, black people. You ain't alone. Let's keep doing right, it. Right, right. That's one of the biggest things since the site began. I keep hearing other people say that I thought I was the only person like this, and to mm-hmm. find other people of like mind is great. And I, I'll continue to um, reiterate the statement, today's science fiction is tomorrow's science fact, and we need right. to be in, involved in building um, that that new future. So if we're not involved in science fiction, someone else is going to take control of it and and right. uh, reap the benefits. So we need to be involved in these things, too. And um, <laughs> You know me get on a soapbox, I'll talk forever. But um, so thanks for sharing uh, all the stuff that you, were, you have been doing in the past. I didn't know Man, you you took it all the way Thank back you. to the microfish on us. I was like, right? what? The microfish? <laughs> I know exactly what that is. I hadn't heard it in a number of Thank years. But all the different things that you're doing as far as writing, as far as creating uh, stop motion uh, and the creature effects, I mean, that's, that's some really interesting stuff. And but the, one of the biggest things that I see, I think we concentrate on – obstacles too much uh a lot of times and what you've done you've created ways you you found ways around the obstacles and i want to encourage everyone to focus not so much on the obstacles we know we know that they've been there and they're going to continue to be there but we have to figure out ways implement ways to make things happen regardless of the obstacles and with that i'm gonna I'm end and i'm gonna stop recording in just a second and we can well, continue to talk a little bit more, but well, thank before, you so much, everybody, go, for coming on here, huh? Yeah, before before you go, remember everybody, please uh, please keep con- continue to support the show. Show up on Fridays, um, just so it's so it's not just us. And and tell your friends, you know, try to get if you can, try to get maybe one person, one new person to come and and listen to the show live. Um, it's great that we have as much traffic as we do for the podcast, and now we've got our own channel on uh, YouTube. So please, um, first of all, thank you all for participating. Thank everybody for showing up. And don't forget, every Friday, um, unless something goes horribly wrong, but every Friday <laughs> at, at, at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're here for for your edification and entertainment. So thank you everybody and uh have a great uh, have a great weekend. All right, thanks Blessings, everybody. Bye bye.